It's that time of year again. Halfway through the NFL season, we know the good teams, we know the bad teams, we know the average teams. And so we take our eye and we're starting to look at the 2022 NFL draft class. We have so many questions. How does this draft class stack up to the 2020 and 2021 elite draft classes? Uh, what quarterbacks are there? What wide receivers are there? What running backs are there? What are their pro comps? And what should we be expecting for those teams that are going to be drafting high up on those boards? I'm your host, Abhi Gupta, and on today's episode of The Breakout, we're going to be digging right into that, specifically looking at the quarterbacks from the 2022 NFL draft class. Let's dive right into them. I'd like to begin with some honorable or rather dishonorable mentions. First, Spencer Rattler. Now, Spencer Rattler is a very odd case. He came in as the bona fide number one overall quarterback into the 2022 draft class. He really had to have everything go wrong for him to not be in the top five QBs of this draft class. And just about all of those things happened. Uh, he was benched in favor of a freshman quarterback who is outplaying him. He's demonstrated poor accuracy. He can't play uh, from behind. He can't play from ahead. He just can't play. You know, when we look at Spencer Rattler, he does have all the talent, he just hasn't put it all together. And so I don't really expect him to come out in this draft class. I would expect him to return to school for one more season, learn more, and then come out with a lot more experience. But if he were to come out today, I wouldn't be surprised if a team took a shot on him with a late round flyer. But he's definitely not going in the first round, and I definitely don't think he's going anywhere before the third round. My other honorable mention is Carson Strong, quarterback of Nevada. Now, Carson Strong is a really interesting case. He, you know, came in with also a considerable amount of hype, and we even talked about him with Garrett Price of Dynasty Nerds uh, during an episode during week one of this season. And Carson Strong is a big, tall statue of a quarterback, uh, doesn't have a lot of mobility, but he is one of those traditional pocket passers. And again, he has met expectations, but he's done absolutely nothing to exceed them. And so when we look at a quarterback like Carson Strong, again, he's one of those guys who has a lot of talent, but he just hasn't shown us enough to really put him in the top five conversation in a pretty weak draft class. The other two guys that I think you should know about are quarterback uh, Grayson McCall of Coastal Carolina and Sam Hartman of Wake Forest. Again, both of these guys have done well to elevate mediocre teams, um, and they should be on your radar for that, uh, but they just aren't doing enough to really merit them being in the top five conversation. And so that brings me to my top five as of week 11 of the college football season. Number five, Sam Howell, quarterback of the North Carolina Tar Heels. Now, Sam Howell has had an interesting journey. He also came in as, you know, part of the QB1 discussion alongside Spencer Rattler, a quarterback that we thought was going to um, be neck and neck for, you know, the first or second spot overall in this draft class. And while he's definitely not that today, he's still in the QB1 discussion just not for the right reasons. See, Sam Howell is a quarterback that hasn't done enough to elevate himself out of this pretty okay QB class. And that is, you know, not really a great sign. At the same time, uh, he hasn't done enough poorly for us to remove him from a weak class. And so what that can tell you is that uh, a player like Sam Howell is someone who, um, you know, has a lot of good, he has a lot of bad, and really it's up to uh, your own evaluation of this player to tell me, you know, is he going to fit your team? Now, Sam Howell is a quarterback that uh, we can compare to like a less talented Baker Mayfield. He's shorter, he's stockier, uh, he has athletic 
athletic uh, athletic ability. He's not very fast, uh, but he does have mobility. And in the college game, this comes off as a dual threat quarterback. Now, as we've seen Baker Mayfield in the NFL, he does have the ability to run, but not in the same capacity as Russ or Kyler or Lamar or any of these rushing quarterbacks. However, it is enough athletic ability to get himself out of tight situations, such as when the pocket is collapsing on him uh, or he needs to run for a short yardage first down. I think one of the big red flags for me though about Sam Howell is his completion percentage. Uh, he's a quarterback that saw a 5.5% drop in his completion percentage between last year and this year, and that's putting him towards the tail end of what I consider acceptable for a top quarterback uh, to be drafted. Generally speaking, I view 60% completion rate in college as the absolute minimum I'm willing to consider for a quarterback prospect. The reason is because we have only ever seen two quarterbacks come out of that statistic uh, and actually hit in the NFL, and that's Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. The rest of the examples I can put down in the comments uh, or you know if you if you want to know them uh, just let me know but really they don't hit I believe it's like a two out of 18 hit rate for quarterbacks with less than 60% draft 60% uh, completion rate and were drafted um, and that's just not that's not a good hit rate that's not worth investing in Sam Howell sits at 62.5% and that is really, you know, troublesome considering that uh, last year, you know, he did have weapons. He had Javante, he had Michael Carter, he had Daz Newsom, he had Diami Brown. Uh, and this year, you know, all those guys graduated, but a 5.5% drop for a third year starter is just unacceptable. He also has, uh, you know, the ability to make quick reads. Uh, coming in Mac Brown's system, uh, he comes from a place where he's making RPO reads, uh, run pass options, uh, where he's reading the defense and making a quick judgment on whether to hand the ball off or to pass to one or two quick receivers. He does this very, very effectively and is very decisive with these decisions. Um, but once you cover all of those up, um, he struggles and he tends to make a lot of finicky throws. When you go to the NFL, you need players who are able to progress through their reads. And while this is a skill set that can be developed, um, you need to have a lot of talent that backs you in order for that to stand alone. And when we look at a player like Sam Howell, I just don't believe he has enough talent uh, for him to be super, super effective at this. He's also shown flashes of accuracy, which I really, really like. Um, the ability to, you know, hit uh, tight windows. Um, but the problem is that this accuracy is inconsistent. Uh, sometimes he's able to hit with touch. Other times the same throw he'll mess up. Uh, sometimes you need him to, you know, hit, uh, you know, a timing route and uh, he throws behind his receiver on the slant. Um, and so when you're coming into the NFL, you want to see a player develop with this accuracy. And, uh, you know, we see hints of that with Sam Howell, but we don't see enough. Sam Howell's deep ball is also a massive concern for me. Uh, when we take a look at his deep ball, it is a coin flip effectively. He has an outrageous 21.5% big time throw rate for deep throws, which is six times uh, as you know high as his medium throws. But we also see that he has a 6.2% turnover worthy play rate, uh, which is four times his medium rate. So what does this tell us? This really just tells us that when he throws the ball up deep, uh, either it's going to be a massive success or it's going to be a massive failure. Uh, and when we talk about variability, um, I like to see quarterbacks where I know what I'm going to get. Uh, there needs to be a lot more consistency from Sam Howell before I can raise him higher in my draft rankings. Number four on my list is Kenny Pickett, quarterback of the Pitt Panthers. Kenny Pickett's byline should be the highest riser of this draft class. He is a guy who has uh, really taken himself from obscurity and brought him into the conversation uh, for a top QB in this draft class. 
Now, while I don't think he's the QB1 necessarily, uh, he is a guy who is consistently showing that he's taken another step in his game. In fact, this season, he has 32 touchdowns and four interceptions uh, with a 68.7% completion rate. All, you know, massively fantastic statistics, especially when you put into context that last season and the year before, he only had 13 touchdowns and nine interceptions each year. So the contrast here that we're seeing is pretty, pretty good. But here's where I'm really concerned. He is a fifth year starter, uh, a redshirt senior. And when we talk about guys who pop in their fifth year of college, what we're trying to figure out is have they gotten way better in this fifth year? Or have they just got more experience than the 18 year olds that are coming out of high school and playing against him? He has a pretty high EPA per play at 0.55. This is somewhere close to the top end of EPA uh, for players. Um, but what I think is really interesting about this guy is that um, when you take a look at the second level analytics for this guy's throws, um, you know, he has a 79.2% adjusted completion rate, which is the sixth highest in all of college football. He has the third most deep yards at 1,106 as of before week 11. Um, and his turnover worthy plays are really, really low. This season we're sitting at 2.1%, which is the lowest of his entire career. Last season they were somewhere around 3.8%, if I can recall correctly. He has the highest average depth of target as well at 10 yards. And he has a 37.9% big time throw rate on his deep ball. So what does all of this tell us about him? Well, at least in terms of in uh, just a relative scale, he has improved in terms of his accuracy, he's improved in terms of his mechanics, he's improved in terms of his effectiveness, and his deep ball isn't really a, you know, uh, a coin flip like Sam Howell's. Instead, this guy's, uh, when he throws the ball, you know that it's going to be a lot more accurate than Sam Howell. He's got a lot more of a gunslinger mentality to his throwing motions. Um, I definitely think that, uh, you know, if we were to use a hyperbolic type of example, um, I do think that he has, he throws a lot more like a Brett Favre or a uh, Patrick Mahomes than he does a Tom Brady or a Kirk Cousins. Uh, he, he is a little bit more loose with the ball. Um, and that can sometimes get away from him because he trusts his arm a little bit too much. Uh, you know, he can throw it up in a lot of these instances and in this senior year um, we haven't really seen a high turnover worthy play rate um, but that is a tendency that we've seen from him uh, across his entire college career. I would say that for him to be successful in the NFL, he's going to need to improve his anticipatory throws. Um, a lot of his throws nowadays are bullet passes, um, you know, direct to the receiver. They're not necessarily timing routes or balls that he can throw, you know, 50% of the way down the route and then throw the receiver open. Um, and when you have an arm like he does, I definitely think that he can develop into a player that can do that. Uh, but as of right now, he needs to work on that. The last thing I'd like to comment on is his mobility. Now this player has, um, you know, the ability to move in the pocket. He's definitely got legs uh, and he can get himself out of trouble when needed, but he's by no means a runner. And so what that tells you is that he, you know, he, 
I would say like his ceiling in terms of mobility is like Aaron Rodgers, but remember that is like a ceiling. Uh, the more expected outcome is someone who is able to just get out of harm's way, uh, but he's not going to be as elite or um, mobile as other quarterbacks. Overall, when I look at Kenny Pickett, I look at a guy who has a higher floor than other prospects in this draft class, uh, but definitely needs a lot to go right for him to become the QB1 uh, that we see from this draft class. Number three, Desmond Ritter, quarterback of the Cincinnati Bearcats. Now, you've probably heard a lot about Desmond Ritter because he's led the Bearcats to their highest ranking in program history. Number two overall in the AP poll uh, and in the coaches poll, number five in the college football rankings. We can we can talk about that another time, but ooh, Cincinnati needs to be in that top four. Uh, I'm sorry, but but they have to be. Desmond Ritter has a lot of the intangibles that I really want to see with a quarterback coming into the NFL. You know, he's a dual threat quarterback who has uh, good accuracy. Uh, he is a quarterback who, um, you know, is very smart with the ball. Uh, and he has uh, a dual threat ability that allows him to uh, take off if nothing is available uh, to him when he's, um, you know, under duress uh, or if he sees a window to gain chunk yardage. His throw power allows him to go down the field, throw players open. Uh, you know, go beyond the middle of the field. He's able to go uh, beyond the numbers. He's able to make sideline throws. Uh, he can go to the edge of the field uh, and he can also make tight window throws, which is exactly what you want to see for a prospect coming into the NFL. Um, he also has this rushing ability where he has incredible ball carrier vision. Um, he's not necessarily looking to just truck you over, but he can because he is just that strong enough. And he has enough muscle mass where I don't think the wear and tear is going to really affect this player when he comes into the NFL. And he's also the dual QB type that we've seen transition into NFL offensive schemes and be really, really successful. The number one thing that I like about Desmond Ritter is his football IQ. This player knows when to run with the ball, he knows when to throw it away, he knows when to force it into coverage, uh, and he knows when to push the ball down the field. Uh, it's just absolutely incredible. Uh, he does take more sacks than I think that I would like to see, but that is only for a good reason. He's always keeping his eyes down the field. And when he's forced to scramble or he's under pressure, he doesn't make those poor decisions. Many times, he will simply take what's given to him. And that is a mature trait that I love to see with quarterbacks. I will say though, even though he is accurate, that accuracy needs to be improved. Uh, he has the ability and the IQ, as I mentioned, to, to figure out what's the right play to make. But the ball placement that he's throwing with is lacking. Um, when he's pressured, he struggles because even though he identifies who to throw the ball to, uh, he doesn't necessarily have the uh, accuracy yet to throw it into that you know specific window where only his guy can get it. And that can put him in a lot of trouble. In fact, I've read some reports here where you know Desmond Ritter's mechanics are lacking at a point where if he doesn't have an adequate amount of time to throw the ball, he's just not going to throw it. And when we're talking about, you know, take for example Tim Tebow, um, his throwing mechanics were a problem because of how low he kept the ball when he was throwing it, what the ball was not kept high. And as a result of that, the amount of time that it took from uh, actually beginning to throw and letting go of the ball was a lot higher. When we're talking about a game of milliseconds, uh, that is a, a set of skills and a mechanic set that he needs to develop. 
More specifically, I really liked how this kid played against Notre Dame. Um, he was playing against an NFL-style defense, and he showed a lot of grit. He showed a lot of toughness. He shot a lot, uh, showed a lot of fight. Um, and this really showed, you know, um, when you take a look at his uh, statistics, um, they were really reflected and emblematic in that game against Notre Dame at Notre Dame. He has an exceptionally high completion rate for medium and deep passes, uh, specifically for deep passes, a 44% completion rate. That's like really, really absurd. Um, but he has three times the number of turnover worthy plays when he's under pressure, even though he has a full 1.4 more seconds to throw when he is under pressure. And so I think ultimately speaking with Desmond Ritter, um, there are a lot of places for him to develop as a player. Uh, but he, we, I think we need to wait for him to develop more. The biggest con that we can point out for Desmond Ritter is the fact that he hasn't taken another huge stride in his, you know, most recent season uh, in college football. He's been a very consistent player, uh, but we haven't seen him kind of make the next step with the accuracy, with the reads, with the throwing ability uh, that we'd like to see from a quarterback uh, that's entering, you know, his fourth year of starting. But overall, I would say that Desmond Ritter is a great quarterback with a lot of potential um, who is very, very rough around the edges. Um, in order for him to be drafted in the first round, uh, you know, I've read things like he is going to need to have a team fall in love with him. Uh, similar to Jordan Love with the Packers, where they said, hey, we really, really like this quarterback. We like what he brings to the table. And we're just going to go ahead and move up to the end of the first round and draft this guy. And so for Desmond Ritter to creep up into the first round, at least at this point in the season, I think that's what needs to happen. Number two, Malik Willis, quarterback of Liberty. Willis is a name that you've probably heard of uh, when you've been listening to reports about the 2022 NFL draft class. Uh, Willis is the most talented quarterback in this draft class. Uh, and I think that he is someone that you might have heard of because he started at Auburn and then eventually transferred to Liberty. He is a completely dynamic athlete. Um, you know, he has 36% rush yard share for his team, uh, which is the number one rush yard share uh, in college football. This means that he has 36% of all of the rushing yards on the Liberty offense. His passing ability is also pretty electric. Uh, he has a 66.2% completion rate. This overall dynamic athleticism that he holds is something that any NFL team would love to have, um, you know, running their offense. He has uh, a lot of speed. He has a lot of short area acceleration and his change of direction is athletic. I don't really make this comparison lightly, but when we look at guys like Kyler or when we look at guys like Lamar, they showed a lot of this extreme athletic talent in college and Malik Willis at his top point could be at that level of Lamar and of Kyler. I really like what Willis brings to the table in terms of both his rushing uh, and his passing ability. He has a 10.7% big time throw rate. So that means that 10% or one out of 10 of his throws is a big time throw, which is the number one uh, big time throw rate in all of college football. Um, he also has the 11th most deep yards at 796 deep yards. His EPA per play, i.e. the number of points that he adds to his team per play, is a bit middle of the pack. Um, I would like to see a little bit higher of a number for a player who's playing, you know, at a mid-major like Liberty. Um, it's at 0 0.46. Um, but, you know, when you look at the other, you know, components of his profile, 45.3% um, big-time throw rate for deep plays. Like, look, I've been doing this for a little bit 
under two years now and I've like never seen that number before where almost half of your throws on you know deep balls are big time throws that's just unheard of he has 29 yards average depth of target on those deep throws so not only is he pushing the ball down the field but he is completing them at an electric rate and while the turnover worthy plays um, in that deep range are pretty high at 5.7 percent um, it's nowhere as bad as a quarterback like Sam Howells and when you take a look at the volume there I mean the comparison is just a bit ridiculous I'm always going to take 45 percent big time throw rate uh, versus a almost six percent turnover worthy play rate that those those are chances those are odds that i'm always going to take uh if you find me in a casino i'm betting that every single time he's got the best raw talent in this draft and i think that that's what i'm going to bet on the things that you should be considering about this player are that one his competition is always going to come up uh, and you're going to hear it over the next couple of months you know playing at liberty you're going to hear the same arguments that you did for zach wilson and i think these are fair arguments where you know if i'm putting up uh 45.3 percent big time throw rate on my deep balls is that because i'm really good at what i do or is that because uh the players that i'm playing against just aren't at the same caliber as me and with zach wilson we had a lot of the same questions um, if he was doing this in the SEC, you know, if he was doing this in the Big Ten, even if he was doing this in the Big 12, I, I don't think that we would have these types of concerns. The last thing I'd like to say is that in his toughest game this season against Matt Corral and Ole Miss, uh, he looked awful. He looked god awful. Um, and that is a massive knock on him, right? When you face good competition, if you don't underperform but you actually look like absolute bona fide trash um that is what malik willis looked like and you know we can give him the benefit of the doubt everybody has a clunker of a game he just picked the wrong one and so when i come to my overall draft evaluation for this player i think that malik willis is a player that will need development in the nfl i think you can see him go the trey lance route where someone will move up high to get him um, just based on all of his potential but he's definitely not going to start his first year um, because he will need to be refined i think the best type of situation is where he is sitting in a more comfortable situation um, behind a starter who's kind of aging out and then eventually moving to a point where he is taking over the offense towards the tail end of the season um, or perhaps the the beginning of a second season and that brings me to my number one quarterback in this draft class again as of week 11 in the college football season Matt Corral quarterback Ole Miss now Matt Corral is number one because of a lot of different reasons but I'd like to point out my number one reason is that he is a consistent dude this guy has performed pretty even keel week over week, and that is something that I love to see, uh, especially when I'm going to be drafting him as my uh, number one quarterback uh, from a draft class. Um, when you even look at guys like Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence, um, even though you know they may not have had year-over-year consistency such as Joe Burrow, we did see in their final season they performed well week over week, and their quote-unquote clunker games weren't absolutely terrible. Matt Corral has a 16 touchdown to 2 interception ratio and a 66.8% completion percentage. Um, he has a 0.49 EPA per play, which is kind of middle of the pack, but he has an almost 25% 
50% rush yard share on his offense. So when you kind of just take these metrics and, and evaluate them for what they are right now, um, he is an accurate quarterback who doesn't throw a lot of picks, and he also has rushing ability. And that's exactly what all the scouting reports tell us about him. He is aggressive with the vertical passing game. He runs a spread offense in Lane Kiffin's offense. Um, he, he can run, has the ability to rush, um, and he can even run the read option if need be. He is one of those guys where his legs are so dynamic that you're going to need to keep a spy watching this guy at all times. You're going to need to keep him accounted for because if you don't, he will rush for those short yardage or medium yardage first downs that will kill you every single week as a defense. The big knocks that I see about Matt Corral are things that I personally don't really give a shit about. Um, these are his measurables. I mean, yes, he's undersized. Yes, he his arms and his wingspan aren't massive. Yes, he doesn't weigh a lot. Uh, yes, his arm strength isn't, you know, the best. But year over year over year, we keep seeing that these measurables really aren't you know, that important. Like, we need to know a little bit, like, hey, maybe you've got some ability to throw the ball deep, or maybe you, you know, have the ability to hit, you know, these tight window throws. But I mean, come on, man. Like, if the guy is 5'11", but he's still able to execute, we have seen enough examples where you not only have a quarterback like Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray that, like, absolutely kill it, but they're, like, the top of the damn league. Um, and so you're going to hear a lot of stuff about that. Um, I don't really pay it much mind, but it will be a criticism of this player. He's really, really careful with the ball. He has a low turnover worthy play rate at 1.4%, which is the third best in all of college football. And across uh, 223 throws this season that were under 20 yards, he has one turnover worthy play. One. So that means one out of 223 throws was a turnover worthy play. Um, for deep plays though you know we have a little bit of a concern uh that number goes all the way up to 4.3 percent uh, on 38 throws on those plays that were turnover worthy they were all picked and so on the deep balls uh you know i i, I do see some concern uh but again 38 throws it's it's a good enough sample size for us to say like yeah like he could improve his accuracy there um but you know like it's also a little bit of variance here and a little bit of randomness that accounts for whether or not those plays are picked off under pressure this kid is how do i put it lightly uh, he's atrocious he's uh you know got a 37.3 percent completion rate um and that's with his time to throw increasing by a full second when he's under pressure going from 2.41 seconds to 3.41 seconds what that means and what that indicates to me, and again, this is something that we also saw with Malik Willis, is that when he sees pressure, he's able to evade it, but he still makes poor throws and poor judgments. And this is kind of exacerbated by the fact that, you know, in the scouting reports, we see that he throws off platform when his feet are not set. Um, you know, he's able to make some throws where he's not, you know, set with his, you know, mechanics correctly, his footwork is proper, but you're going to hear a lot of the same crap that we heard with Zach Wilson where, oh, look, he can make the same throws as Rodgers and Mahomes. But like, for me, as an evaluator, I don't really care about what you do on the extremes. What I care about is what do you do in the majority of the plays. And if on the majority of your plays where you are in the pocket, where you have to make a read, where you have to make a throw with pressure in your face, 
can you get it done? And so these off-platform throws don't really matter to me. In fact, this indicates to me that he needs to be coached out of making these ridiculous off-kilter fanatical throws uh, when he's under pressure, and he needs to learn to simply make an easy read or throw the ball away. I think as of today, Matt Corral is the QB1 in this draft class. But I would like to point out that when we look year over year between, you know, even last year and this year, um, I would not put Matt Corral uh, above Trevor Lawrence. I would not put him above Justin Fields. I don't even think I would put him above Trey Lance. Um, I would probably put him above Zach Wilson or right at Zach Wilson. And so to kind of give you an idea of how these players stack up year over year, I think this draft class has a lot of players where it's, uh, you know, it's up to your own flavor. How do you think those players are going to look in your offense, in your scheme? Do you think they're going to work? Because all of them have a lot of things that they do really well. They have a lot of things that they can get better at, and they have a lot of things that they are absolutely trash at. And so you are going to need to have a lot of faith in yourself as an organization to develop these players. But as of today, Matt Corral is the QB1, according to me, in the 2022 NFL Draft class. So that brings us to the end of today's video. Um, I hope you like this analysis. Uh, we'll be getting into more specifics as the year goes on, um, and I'll be kicking off some videos around running backs and wide receivers as well in the upcoming weeks on the 2022 draft class. If you like this video, please like and subscribe. Uh, we really love the subscribes here uh, because that indicates to me that this content is valuable to you. And providing these analyses, you know, even earlier on in the cycle is something that you derive value from, whether it's because you're a football fan, uh, just in general, or you're a dynasty player, or you're a cam uh, campus to Canton player, uh, or, or whatever that looks like. And with that, thanks for watching.